this month's theme is based on relationships. It's called Family Matters, and uh, we're going to focus on relationships uh, this month. Uh, so if you have friends, if you have people that you know that can benefit uh, from learning about relationships, then you might want to be inviting them to come this month. Uh, relationships are all around us. Uh, relationships are, everyone, everyone is in a relationship. There's nobody here that's not in some kind of relationship, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, all relationships are not the same. Uh, it's, it's interesting when I hear people uh, who uh, feel a little insecure about other people's friendships. And uh, you, I don't know if you know anybody like that that feels insecure about other people's friendships. Uh, somebody that feels like you're not as close to them as you are to somebody else. Uh, and I'm going to need you to be honest through this series because if you're not honest, uh, then we're going to close up and we're going to just invite you to Jesus and go home. Relationships get sticky. Because I'm not, there's nobody that's going to go missed in this series. Everybody is going to be touched in this series. Uh, but it, as I was saying, it's funny how people uh, get upset because perhaps I'm closer to Brother Jones than I am Brother, Brother uh, Thompson or closer to Brother, uh, Brother uh, Winroad than I am Brother Landrum. And uh, people uh, start protesting for equality in relationships. Hello? Does anybody know anybody, or maybe you're the person, maybe I'm talking to a room full of people that are protesting being closer to somebody else than, the, than you actually are. The reality is all relationships don't have the same proximity. Amen. You can take notes from the, from the jump on this, that all relationships, and this is our foundation, uh, our beginning, our introduction, all relationships do not have the same proximity. You don't have to be and you don't have to have the same intensity of relationship with everybody. This is going to free somebody because there are some of you out there who are people pleasers. And you try to be equal and you try to have the same relationship with everybody because there are some people in your life who will protest uh, your relationship. At the end of the day, because relationships take energy. Nobody in here has the energy to spin or put as much intensity into every relationship. There are people here that, are have, that have good relationships. There are bad relationships. There are non-existing relationships. There are superficial relationships. There are public relationships. There are private relationships. Everybody in here has relationships. And uh, we, we uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's the relationship that people, there are secret relationships. There are relationships that, uh, that uh, you want people, you only want the person to know. And, and watch this, these aren't always rendezvous and love affairs. Sometimes people will be your friend in secret but not in public. Oh, y'all not ready for this. Y'all not ready for me. I can look at, you're not ready for me. But everybody has relationships. And so when we talk about family, we're talking about a system of relationships. That's all we're talking about. So anything I say about the husband and wife minus the sex, the sex can be applied to every relationship. 
Oh, y'all miss out on this. Yeah, I'm going to get closer. Some of y'all look like a photograph. I'm going to get it. I'm going to turn you into a video. Uh, any, anything that can be said about the husband and wife, minus the sex or the romanticism, can be said about every relationship. And so when we talk about family, we're not just talking about whether or not you're related by blood, but we're talking about a system of relationships, a conglomeration of relationships. And if you're not as equally close to everybody in your biological family, why do you try and exert your enemy energy and exhaust yourself trying to appease people by showing that I'm just as much and have just as much an intense relationship with you as I do with you and you and you and you? And you, people will, I'm going to tell you something, people get crazy when it comes to relationships. You are out of your mind if you think I'm going to have the same closeness with you as I have with my daughter or my wife. Relationships have different intensities. And hear, hear me today, it's quite all right for relationships to have different levels of intensity. Stop demonizing it and calling it a click. Oh, y'all not ready, but I'm about to walk all over. I'm about to walk all over this place. We demonize it in our insecurity when we want to be a part of a system of relationships and we don't feel like we're a part of it. Sometimes the word click is our defense mechanism to demonize what we're not a part of. Jesus in Matthew chapter 17 took Peter, James, and John to the mountain of transfiguration. He didn't take Thaddeus. He didn't take Bartholomew. He didn't take Judas. He didn't take, he didn't take Simon. He did not take any of Nathaniel. He didn't take any of the others. He didn't take Philip. He didn't take all the others. He took Peter, James, and John. When Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane, he took Peter, James, and John. There were places where he would heal people and take Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John was not the clear of Jesus, there was a different intensity of relationship with Peter, James, and John, watch this, based on what Peter, James, and John were going to have to do when Jesus left. It's okay. It is not a click. We have different relationships. Everybody say there are different relationships. There are some relationships that we have we shouldn't have. And of course, some of, some of our minds go to the far extreme worse, love affairs. And those are wrong. We know that. That's the obvious relationship we shouldn't have. But there are some friendships you ain't got no business having. You know whether or not you should have a relationship by the direction the relationship takes you in. What direction is your relationship with everybody in your life taking you in? Okay, so this is where we're going to start. We're going to start, we're going to do a DNA study. And I'm not talking about deoxyribonucleic acid. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying we're going to trace the beginning of relationships. If you want to know how something should be and how something was designed, you don't drink from the middle of the stream. You start from the beginning of the stream to get its purest form. And the, and the first place we can see relationships established is in the book of Genesis. So let's go there. Say amen if you're ready. Say amen if you're not ready. Okay, somebody said amen, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Ready or not? 
Here we come. I want us to look in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26. First point, if you're taking notes, please know that relationships existed before human relationships. In other words, before we got here, the idea of relationship already existed. In Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26, the Bible says what? We have readers, right? Then God said, mm -hmm. let us make man in our image. Now watch this. The first relationship we see before there's any relationship among humanity is God. And you say, what do you mean? What do you mean God? I want you to look at the personal pronouns in this text. Everybody look carefully. God said, let us. Us. Us is indicative of plurality. But with God, it's plurality and singularity. In other words, God had a relationship with himself. Here's the first principle. You are not ready with a relationship with anybody else if you don't have a relationship with yourself. You will find that you become the type of person who people have to love for you. Yeah, don't miss that. You missed that. You missed that. You'll need people to love you for you when you don't have a relationship with yourself. Let me tell you what that looks like. That looks like the relationship where you want better for somebody than they want for themselves. Has anyone ever been in a draining relationship where what you wanted for the person was better than what they wanted for themselves? At the end of the day, that does not work because a person who cannot engage themselves and have a relationship with themselves become incapable of having a relationship with anybody else. The first relationship we're ever introduced with to in the whole Bible is God's relationship. Now watch this. The surface eye would say, God's relationship with man. The surface Bible eye. But if you look at this, we see that God said, let us. Which means in the Godhead, right? God the Father, God the Word, God the Holy Spirit. Somebody might say that's three gods. No, that's one God. Just like you're a person. Let me, let me help y'all understand that. You are soul, spirit, and body. And you can talk to you. You talk to you. Y'all not coming with me. I wish I had a, a, a woke church. I wish I had a woke church. Not even a praying church. I wish I had a woke church. You can talk to you. Have you ever, watch this, you can gossip to you. <laughs> Has anyone ever walked into the sanctuary and you said to you, See, you think you need some other body to do these things. That's why God is not going to judge us first with the relationship we have with others. He's going to judge us individually because you talk to you. You have conversations with you. You tell yourself to come on. Any gym rats in here? You on that elliptical machine and you're going and you see it, you're pushing, you're pushing, and you're getting tired and you say, come on, who you talking to? 
You don't have an exercise partner? Come on, come on, come on. You're talking to you. All of us have a relationship with ourselves. The question is, what kind? But you have to be in touch with self. Even a husband cannot love a wife until he first loves himself because the Bible says husbands love your wives even, watch this, even as your own bodies. You get a person that doesn't love themselves, that's a person that cannot and is incapable of loving someone else. That's the most dangerous person in the world. Ooh, if I were talking love relationships, girl, if you dating somebody that doesn't love themselves, you better, you better pump your brakes. Man, I'm not just going to talk, see, we're not going to create a world where the only victims are women. Brother, if you dating a sister that don't love herself, and you got to love her for her, you better pump your brakes. Because the most dangerous person in the world is a person that does not have a relationship, a loving relationship with himself or herself because that creates a spirit of apathy. Those are the people that go into churches, kill everybody in churches, and then turn the gun on themselves. Amen, J.K. First relationship we learned about is God relationship with himself. Let us. So relationship existed in heaven before it existed on earth. Good relationship existed in heaven. And bad relationship existed in heaven before it exists here. You think down here is where bad relationships started? No. There was this angel. This angel who got jealous and envious and said, I will ascend above the stars of God. I will ascend to the mountain of God. I will be like the Most High. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. What was that? That was a bad relationship in heaven. And so by the time man was created, relationships had been established, both good and bad. When God created man, he said, let us create man in our image. If God is relational, it makes sense that we are. God made us to be relational. Turn to somebody and say, God made us to be relational. Now, I need to say a word to those of us who are introverts. Introverts, let me help you understand what that means. You're an introvert if you're the type of person that really don't want to be around a lot of people hardly. You're an introvert if you're the type of person that really doesn't want to open up to people. You're closed. Are there any closed people in here? Well, I'm sorry, I asked the wrong question first. Are there any honest people in here? That's the question I meant to ask first, okay? I asked the wrong question first. I'm not demon, this is not to be demonized. I'm looking at some introverted people. The introverted person is the person that will shake your hand, not rudely shake your hand, but they don't want to stay around for conversation. 
The church has got to stop demonizing introverted people. We got to stop demonizing introvert. It's okay. The Bible doesn't say you have to be an extrovert. The Bible doesn't say you have to have a bubbly personality like, 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 uh, uh, like Sister Burnett. I don't have to have your personality. You don't have to have my personality. But I do have a word for introverts today. God made us to be relational. Be careful that you don't declare your lack of need for anybody. I get nervous whenever somebody starts talking that talk. I don't need anybody. That's all right. I make it. I don't need anybody. That's dangerous talk. God made us to be relational, meaning he made us to need one another for relationship. It is a dangerous state of mind to think you don't have need of anybody. He made us to be social beings, to interact and to communicate and to deal with each other. But first, he made us to be relational with him. What is the fuel that feeds your relationships? What feeds relationships? I mean, you got your son, your father, your sister, your brother, your friend, your acquaintance, your coworker. What, what fuels it? Write this down. The fuel of every relationship. Here, here it goes. Is communication and interaction. I am. <laughs> the fuel of every relationship is communication and what? This side, uh, you're going to get a makeup test this side, sorry. The fuel of every relationship is what? This side speaks in tongues. The fuel of every relationship is what? If you want to starve any relationship, stop those things. If you want to build any relationship, engage in those things. Now watch the enemy. The devil knows this. Which is why whenever he wants to mess your relationship up with God, the first thing he goes after is your prayer life. <laughs> the, the next thing he goes after is your interaction with the things or the people of God. Pay attention here. Some of you are being fooled right under your nose by the enemy because you don't understand how relationships work. And if, God, if the devil can kill your relationship with God by using the starvation method, in other words, attacking your communication with God, attacking your interaction with God, what do you think he does to us when it comes to the people of God as a church? And what do you think he does to you as an individual in your relationships? He will starve your relationship of communication and guess what he's globally starving it of interaction let me tell you how he's doing it there was a time where if you wanted to talk to somebody else in your living quarter you had to get up and go to them 
No, some of y'all don't remember that, do you? There was a time to where if you wanted to see somebody, you had to go and visit them. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with technology. But we limit interaction through text messaging only. There's power in interaction. And the power that's in interaction is not only do I get to communicate with you, but I get to see the other form of communication, the nonverbal communication. I get to know when what I say bothers you. I get to see when what I'm saying makes you happy. And the reason why we're raising up a generation of people who can't engage in relationship is because the world is destroying interaction and the church is going in the same path. No, we're not going to have a meeting on the phone all the time. Sometimes I need to see you face to face so that I can see when you smile. I can see when you frown. I can see when you're sarcastic. I can see when you got an attitude so that I can adjust myself to you. Y'all not hearing me today. I'm preaching to myself today. Well, I might as well preach to it. The church is being bamboozled today because the devil is after relationship and we're missing the point. We're arguing over this communion. We're arguing over giving. We're arguing over hand clapping and whether or not women can sing on the praise team. Meanwhile, and two enemies are in the same church taking the Lord's Supper together. We are missing the point. The devil will leave your theology alone. He'll leave your formal theology alone. That's why you can have people who will raise a fuss if somebody clap, but they're busy holding a grudge from 30 years ago. So you get a pass for your bad, jacked up relationship, but you want to send somebody to hell because they do something different that you never saw before in the worship. Do you see this? And we sit there aloof almost as to what the devil is doing to us. Aloof. Social media, there's nothing wrong with it. You you think the devil was after Job's kids? You actually think the devil wanted Job's camels and oxen? Yeah, he was after his faith, but you know why he was after his faith? Because faith is how his relationship was engaged. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why when the devil has your relationship, he doesn't have to mess with those other things. He got what he wants. Oh, yeah, 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 y'all missing that. The devil ain't got to mess with those other things if he has your relationship with God. As a matter of fact, the devil will leave you alone coming to this place as long as you don't have a relationship with him, as long as you're not praying without ceasing, as long as you're not interacting with God and spending time here. There are a lot of people that come to church, but not many people that are here. There are more people that come here than that are here. No, 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 no. We, we, we in our household, we got to catch ourselves. And I'm not preaching anything that I've mastered. I'm preaching what I'm, I, this is medicine I'm taking. Amen. But you, there was a time you can sit at the dinner table and dinner meant communication. Yeah. 
There was a time you sat at the dinner table and dinner meant I got a chance to talk to daddy. I got a chance to talk to daughter. I got a chance to talk to son. I got a chance to talk to wife. I got a chance to talk to one another. I got a chance to hear about your day. I got a chance to hear what made you upset. I got a chance to hear about the bully that you had in school that's been bullying you for the last three weeks. I got a chance. Now, sitting at the table means this. And you wonder why family relationships are dying. Because the relationship with family is being replaced with a relationship, watch this, with technology and social media. And now your children are developing a closer relationship with people that hadn't even raised them. Y'all don't want to hear this. You don't want to hear it. So, I, so pardon me if I get upset when our fellowship has, has cows and debates over frivolous things. Meanwhile, relationships are falling apart. Children not getting along with parents and parents not getting along with children. Then you go into the business meeting and guess what? Every part of who you are, you bring with you everywhere. Oh, I think I need to say that again. Every part of who you are, you bring with you everywhere, and guess what? Into every relationship. So guess what? You can fake it for a little while in certain environments, but because that part of you is still here, all it takes is the right something to agitate the part of you that you are leaving and dismissing in your presence. I gotta move. I gotta move. This is not how it came out at 8 o'clock. I'm so sorry. If you were here at 8 o'clock, I'm so sorry. So God made us to be relational. He said, let us. God is one with himself. So much so that the Holy Spirit never does anything that the Father doesn't want. When Jesus came in the flesh, he came saying, I must do the will of my Father. Even when there was conflict... We see conflict in the relationship of God. When was there ever conflict with God? When Jesus had come down to die, <laughs> and it was time for him to go to Mount Calvary. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Watch conflict. And this is for church folk that run away from conflict. Conflict does not mean division. Conflict is an opportunity to exercise unity. Hello? It's funny, I see, I, I see church folk, uh, church folk sometimes when they see some conflict, well, I don't agree. Well, I, oh, I'm getting out of here. I tell you what, I'm getting out of here. See, that's why I don't like churches now. Are you kidding me? You cuss your husband out on the way here in the car. And you want to leave because they, they don't agree? Conflict introduces the opportunity to have unity. Unity just doesn't happen. Even the conflict of the Godhead only happened because Jesus submitted and synchronized his will to the will of his Father. Are you hearing me? In Gethsemane, he said, Father, let this cup pass over me. Three times. But watch how he put it in sync. Nevertheless, 
not my will, but thy will be done. Amen? Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. If I see any praise leaders sleeping, I'm going to get you. Yeah, I'm that preacher. I'm that preacher. God put the them in the him. You know, you know, let me just say, let me pause. You know, the preacher before me, uh, I'm diet compared to the preacher before me. I need to, how many of you remember Brother Chappelle? Uh, how many of you would agree that I'm diet compared to Brother Chappelle? Very diet. Yeah. Those of you who remember Mr. Hurt. Anyway, look at the text. Read the text again. Let us make man in our image. Watch this. Here's the next point. Write this down. God put the them in the him. Let us make man in our image. Read. According to our likeness. According to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea. And let what? And let them rule over Wait a minute. He says, let us make man. And then he says, and let them. Some of you missed that. You can read too fast and miss it. Let us make man in our image and let them. What? There's God. Watch, watch, the, watch the relationship, how God descends his relationship. There's one God, but yet the one God can say, let us. He makes man, but then says them. Because God puts the them in the him. What does that mean? When he shapes and forms Adam, he puts in Adam the undeveloped version of Eve. Y'all mm, missed that. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. Yeah. He put the undeveloped version of Eve in Adam. Why? When God put Adam to sleep, he took a rib. And from the rib, he created and made the woman. Which means the undeveloped version of Eve was in Adam while Adam was still naming the animals. He put the responsibility of the them in the him. We live in a society where churches are saturated with more women than men. But he never put the them in her. He never put the responsibility of the them in her. He put the them in him. And so whatever he did would determine how them would end up. Yeah, I'm missing this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And to this day, I believe it is my conviction that the responsibility of the them is still in him. God put the rib in there because he was going to use the rib to make her. He formed and gave Adam a body 
so that she might come out of the body, being in the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm missing this. Okay. He took, which, which, watch this, which means that Eve was in him. Oh. And she was made out of him. If any Eve, if Eve was going to be a creature, she had to be in him. If she was going to be a new creature, she had to be in him. God put Eve in him. If any man be in Adam, if any Eve be in Adam, she would be made a new creature. Some of y'all don't see where I'm going. This was the model for what God was going to do through Christ. Because he put the us in him. And without in him, there would be no us. And without Adam's inness, there would be no outness of Eve. Are y'all seeing this? All right. So, so, so. Uh, the Bible says, let us make man. So he put the them in him. One more point, then I'll let you, let you go. We'll be out of here. We'll be out of here. Everybody go to Genesis chapter 2. We're looking at relationships. And we're going to expedite this. This is about to bless some of your lives. Some of you have been in prison in your relationship. This is going to bless your life. Because you know what? Coming to church is the easy part. Giving is the easy part. We take and pick and choose the easy parts of worship, right? Quoting scripture is easy. That's the easy part. Telling somebody what to do to be saved, that's easy. Singing in here, raising your hand, praising, praising is easy. So let me tell you something. If you find these things hard, then you're having difficulties with the easy part. The hard part of Christianity is the relational side. As a matter of fact, many of us get off board when it comes to relationship. If God said, you need to assemble yourselves on the first day of the week, we don't have a problem with that. God says, you know what? This do in remembrance of me. You got to take of my broken body and my shed blood. We got it. Check. God says, uh, God says, sow and give as you have prospered, as, as, as I prospered you. And uh, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully will reap also bountifully. Check, I give that. You got to come and you got to pray. We got to stand up and pray, pray. And, and, and we need to, you know, we need to do this and we, we need to sing and we need to pray and we need to hear the preach word. Check and a half because hearing the preach word is a struggle for some people. I'm not being mean, I'm being real. It's funny, everybody could be real but the preacher. When the preacher's real, he's offensive. I'm offensive, but I'm going to tell the truth. But then Jesus says, love your enemies. What? Wait a minute, what? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. No, I need you to feel what I'm saying. 
Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Now, now, it didn't say that despitefully used you. This is active offense. Y'all missing me. Active offense, Greg, means not only did they do it, but they're still doing it. How many of you know that saying stop and ignoring somebody doesn't mean they're going to stop? No, no, nobody. No, is there anybody on this side that had a person that wouldn't stop even though you ignored them? You know what Jesus says? Pray for them. So what we did over the years <laughs> in our fellowships to run away from the relational challenge and the commandments that had to do with relationships is we created arguments and gravitated to arguments over the ritual. So we argued, do you have to take the Lord's Supper every first day of the week? Some of the most hateful Christians will have some of the most intelligent questions about biblical doctrine. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if y'all getting what I'm saying. Some of the most vindictive people, church people, will have some of the most challenging questions when it comes to things like, where did Cain get his wife from? It doesn't matter. You need to stop being so hateful. You get my point now? Because that's the challenging part of Christianity, relationships. And I'm going to tell you something. The closer the proximity the greater the challenge. No? Uh, let, me, let, me, let me help you with this before we read this, this text. Uh, um, does anybody have anybody talk about them who you didn't know and who you knew didn't know you? Any honest folk in here? Thanks, Hammy. I see you back there, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe you were in a position on your job and somebody in the, in the um, Nevada office of your job, Chris, because that's the kind of job he has. He has uh, different multi-site offices and somebody in the Nevada job on your office who only heard about you, had a lot of crazy things to say about you. Do you know why? Do you know why we don't, we don't get riled up and, you know, and want to sisters, do you know why you don't take earrings off and take your high heels off and <laughs> slap on the Vaseline? And pull out the, it used to be razors, but I'm finding out sisters carrying other things in their purses nowadays. You know why? Brother, do you know why? That has no proximity. Do you know the worst crimes today and the more serious assaults and murders are based on what they call domestic violence and when they're murders they call them crimes of passion do you know why because the the potential of your love for someone can also be the potential of your pain by them 
And the potential of your pain by them can be the potential of your disdain by them. Detectives can look at a murder and tell if it was a crime of passion, which, which simply means they can tell if the person knew the person. They can tell if it was a, an estranged boyfriend whose girlfriend broke up with him <laughs> and started dating somebody else. Because with the same intensity of love, he now has the same intensity of hate. So watch this. While proximity makes it easy to love, The paradox is closeness is why it's easy to love, but closeness is why it's easy to be hurt, and closeness is why it's easy to hate. So the first thing the devil has to do in order to change the relationships in your proximity is one, he attacks them through offense. Now, every relationship you're in should never be given a label of conclusion until it is tested by offense. I don't find it to be overwhelmingly cute when two people get together who's only been together for six months and she finishes my sentences. Yeah, matter of fact, we said, say your, same, say your favorite color at the same time. And we said that at the same time, and it was both red. <laughs> I love me some him. <laughs> this is us. And all the other anecdotal things. Don't trust any relationship that hadn't been tested. It's too early to draw a conclusion. Because the testing that destroys some relationships strengthens others. Oh, y'all don't hear me in here. Mountain View, y'all didn't show up. Y'all not showing up today. I don't know what's going on. But let me, let me just go here. Let me go here. Watch this. Watch this. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18. Let's look at something here. And then I'm going to bring this plane down for a landing. We don't have to be here eternally to have eternal value. Now watch this. The Bible says what? Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for the man to be alone. I need you to know that this was not Adam's observation. This is not what Adam said about himself. Adam, watch this. As far as Adam's concerned, he was fine. Wait, yeah, I'm missing this. The text doesn't say, Adam said, it's not good that I be alone. God said, it is not good that the man be alone. And the reason why he said that is for the same reason why a glove without a hand has no purpose. So he said, I will make him a help suitable for him. And you know the way it goes. The way it goes is that God put Adam to sleep. Now, watch this. He took something. Watch, this is the DNA of relationships. He took something and he gave something. He didn't just take from Adam. 
Uh, y'all missed that point. I'm waiting for y'all to get that point. <laughs> he took something and he gave something. He didn't just take. The DNA of relationships is that the most strained relationships are relationships where someone is just taking. There are a lot of depleted relationships. And the relationship is depleted because only one person in that relationship is depleted. God took a rib and God said God gave him something greater. As a matter of fact, he took a rib and gave him his rib back with interest. So we just finished talking about giving, right? So, right? He that so God, God took a rib and said, okay, Adam, I'm going to give you your rib back, but it's going to be attached to thighs and hips and lips and fingertips. Come on, Colin, am I talking about? Where's Nora? But God just didn't take, watch this. This is a blueprint for relationships. It is not a healthy relationship if somebody's only taken and taken and taken and taken and taken and it's not a healthy relationship if somebody's just giving and giving and giving and giving, there needs to be some return with interest. Not just in marriages, but in friendships. If I can be there for you in your worst time, how come you won't answer the phone when my darkest hour comes? Hello? And it's not a healthy relationship when one person's resources are depleted because they're always given, 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 given. And the other person becomes so accustomed to being on the receiving end that they forget that this is not how it's supposed to be. And instead of appreciation, they now have replaced it with expectation. I don't appreciate it, I expect it. I don't appreciate the flowers, I expect it. I don't appreciate you putting a ring on it, I... The DNA is give and take, baby. Turn to somebody and say, the DNA is give and take. You can't just be a giver, 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 giver. I know there are givers. That's why people with tender hearts, people with giving hearts, those who are givers, uh, those who are givers are set up when they hook up with a, watch this, a, 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 a person who's only a taker. That doesn't work. Then you look up and wonder why you're so tired. The relationship leaves you drained. And this is not just husband and wife. This can be a friendship you have. This can be a partnership. This can be a business partnership. And somebody said, I thought you were talking about families. Family is nothing but a system of relationships. This could be between a husband and a wife. This could be between a daughter and a mother, a father and a son. Just give, 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 give. I had an uncle that was on drugs. You remember Uncle June? He was an alcoholic and on drugs. He was such a taker that there was absolutely no expectation that he would ever give. Mm -hmm. 
he began to represent his personality. No? I wish there were some honest folk in here. Everybody got somebody in their family that you reposition yourself when you see them coming. <laughs> uh, I'm about to end, man. Yeah, Mountain View didn't show up this morning. Everybody got a Debo in their family. You start hiding jewelry. Oh, no. You start hiding your wallet. You don't give any testimonies around them about what the Lord has done because your testimony is their opportunity. Come on in this house. Can I keep it real, Dedrick? Because they represent receiving, taking, 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 taking. Jesus had something to say about that. Go to Luke 13. Y'all all right in here? See, relationship talk hurts. And the reason why it hurts is because it, 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 it unveils. Well, when you get a chance, read it. Luke 13, beginning with verse number uh, 6 or 7. There was a tree that was planted in the, husband, in the master's vineyard. And it was suck, sapping up all of the resources, but it didn't produce any fruit. It took, but it didn't give. The Bible says the master of the house came to the husbandman and said, cut this tree down. Why is it taking up space? And you have to make sure in your relationships that you're not the one taking up space. Hello? In other words, you're not the best friend that's taking up space. Blocking everybody and blocking other people who can be a more qualified best friend. (laughs) Sabotaging any other relationship of anybody else. Amen? If you're the type of best friend that take, 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 you're, watch this. You call yourself protecting your girlfriend or protecting your, your, your homeboy, but you're really protecting your investment. Because you found the gold mine. You found the hen that lays the golden egg. You found the person that is so tender enough, so tender and so sensitive and so warm-hearted that you can take, 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 and they will never expect you to give. And so when somebody else comes to try to invade that relationship, you get salty and you throw shade. You throw shade. I don't think, I don't think you need to talk. What you're actually doing is protecting them from somebody who would show them how good a relation, how bad a relationship they have with you. This happens in marriages. Husbands, treat your wives right. Wives, treat your husbands right. Because there's always somebody else that'll fill in the places that you've left blank. That will pass the multiple choice. Y'all don't want to hear this. Don't take her for granted. Don't think if you don't tell her she's beautiful, there's nobody else in the world that will. You, I, why are you looking at him? I don't know. He makes me feel funny. I don't like him around you. Why are you looking at her? I don't like her around you. Oh, she's interested. Well, she's interested in the work you do. Uh, uh, no, no, she's doing that. She's doing, he, he's, he's a, I don't like the way he looks at you. 
One of the things that creates insecurities in relationships is when you're not doing your part. You ain't got nothing left to do but then be insecure. Amen. Amen. If you're not feeding your children, watch this, Walmart scares you. Mr. Sam Walton scares you. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I got, I got one final point, okay? Y'all got, can I, can I give this one point? Y'all all right? I want to talk about the loss of transparency. Go to Genesis 2, uh, go to Genesis 3-7, and I'll just expedite it, and I'll tell you about Genesis 2-25. 2-25. Part of what makes relationship, the first relationship, which is the DNA of all relationships, great, was that there was complete transparency and there was vulnerability. Transparency. Everybody say transparency. Most people aren't transparent. And I get it. As a matter of fact, you can't, unfortunately, in this day and time, be transparent with everybody. Everybody can't handle your transparency. And you sure enough let me take it to the south. You show enough, show enough, can't be vulnerable with everybody. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? In Genesis 2.25, the Bible says the man and the woman were both in the garden. They were both naked and unashamed. What is that? Transparency. There was emotional transparency. There was physical transparency. Watch this. This is going to blow your mind. There was physical transparency. Adam and Eve started with nothing to hide. They were not self-conscious because it wasn't about themselves. The closest we get to that state of humanity is when we're born. You ever see how your baby walk around, the pamper falls off your baby and the baby still... Everything's swinging and hanging. Some of y'all can't handle this. You know why the baby's not looking crazy at you and what you looking at? But as, watch this, as, they, as we grow up in human growth and development, they start closing the door when they use the bathroom. Need your help, still closing the door. But the purity of transparency happened in the garden. But we get to Genesis 3-7 when Adam and Eve sinned. Watch this. The first thing they do is they recognize their own nakedness and they cover themselves. Now, do you know the goal of every relationship is a fight now to get back to that transparency. That's what it is. You get married. You start dating somebody, and you know why sometimes that road is turbulent? It's a fight. Not to get, not to get, watch this, ultimately to get them back to the same transparency of Adam and Eve. Okay. 
Adam and Eve was mentally, they were mentally transparent, they were emotionally transparent, they were physically transparent, they were naked. When you get into a relationship now, it's a journey to get back to the Adam and Eve state. That's why on your honeymoon, you and your spouse looks like Adam and Eve. Like, I thought this was a mature audience. It's a fight. And there are people that have been married for years that hadn't got to that level of transparency and vulnerability emotionally. So here you are married for 20 years and you have a husband or a wife that won't open up to you fully. Which means now there's a block in the relationship because you don't even begin to deal with the actual person till you get to the layer of transparency. Amen. So some of you have been married to the representative for years. But because of some kind of something that happened that made them close, there's something that happened that made them build a wall around them, now you have to go through layers of layers and every time there's a hiccup, they put layers back on. I know I'm talking to at least seven people up in this piece. And so your marriage is one big fight for them, you to get to the point where our relationship flows freely and there's vulnerability. But guess what hinders that? Guess what breaks that? Guess what sets that back? What sets it back is distrust. Distrust. It's like being at the last level of a game for young people, last level of a video game, last level being at the last quarter of the basketball game, being right there by the, by the end zone. Here I go. And an interception happening. I know I got that right. I know I got that right. Here you are, about to make a touchdown. Here it is, we're gaining ground. Then, yeah, finally we're talking real talk. I'm getting to who you are. And then guess what? As soon as you get there, the devil takes the ball and runs it down the field. And now you got to start all over, over here, trying to peel back the layers of transparency and vulnerability. That's why you have to be careful and selective with who you allow to see you in your garden state. Okay, okay. I'm closing my Bible so you know we're finished. God put everything in Adam. Eve was in Adam. And God gave Adam a body. And without Adam's body, Eve could not exist. I read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, where the Hebrew writer says that Jesus says, sacrifices and offerings thou desireth not, but a body you have prepared me. And just as God shaped and formed 
Adam and put in Adam what he would use to make Eve. God sent Jesus and put in Jesus what he would use to bring forth his bride, the church. So one Friday, they were hanging him high and stretching him wide. They nailed his hands and they nailed his feet. They placed the crown of thorns on his head. And it wasn't by accident, happenstance, or coincidence that the Roman soldier came up to him and pierced him in the same location where God would pull Adam's wife from. And from that side came the ingredients, came the formula for where Eve, watch this, the second Eve would come from. You see, the first Eve was the mother of all creation. The second Eve would be the mother and container of all the saved. And from that side came blood and water. And how do we know? Acts 20 and 28, the Bible says that he purchased the church with his own blood. He created Eve with Adam's own rib and he purchased the church with Jesus' own blood. Now the question is, are you part of that body? It's a body of believers. Everybody stand to your feet. I want to make an appeal today Sometimes you got to look at yourself. Some of us are good at fixing other people. Uh, we want to fix other people. And some of us are good at calling everybody the problem but ourselves. Sister girl, if you dated 10 guys, your conclusion should not be there are no good men in the world. Maybe your conclusion should be, what's wrong with me? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. y'all don't like that one. Brother, the same thing. Same thing. Maybe your conclusion. We always like to begin with other people. And we treat our actions as if all of our actions are merely reactions to other people's actions. I'm this way because of this. I did this because of this. I do this because of that. And we at no point accept responsibility for ourselves. You are dooming yourself to a casket of bad relationships waiting to be buried beneath loneliness. You got to look at you. What, what, what's my relationship with me like? What's my relationship with God like? If the devil can disconnect you and God, everything else is fair game. Do you not know when you walk with God? Hear, hear this. I, I don't want anybody to feel alone. Do you, when you walk with God, sometimes the only reason, hear this, this is going to shake you. When you walk with God, sometimes the only reason why you have a relationship with some people will be because of your walk with God. Sometimes that will be the only reason. The only reason. What, you know what that's called? That's grace. 
It's the same grace God gave us. You know why? Because the only reason why he loves us and favors us has nothing to do with us. We're not so good. The only reason is because of Jesus. He says, I'm going to give you favor because of my son. That's like somebody, that's like, I know my daughter's date is here. My baby girl's date. Hey, what's up, man? He even beat me in PlayStation and video games. And, and of course, Jalen, all of them have dates. But you know what? I got to be honest. I don't know. Not, not you, man. You good. I don't know. I don't know if I would have a relationship with some of those guys if it wasn't for my daughter. Sometimes he's the only reason. And that's how it is. God says, I wouldn't have a relationship with you if it wasn't for my son. <laughs> that's why. That's why I hear you when you pray, my son. So watch this. If you are outside of Christ, any attempt you have to have a relationship with God is futile because you are not in Christ. You're the Eve that wants to be formed, but you're not in the body of Adam, you're in the body of a zebra. He's not pulling a zebra's rib out. <laughs> He's pulling out the Eve that's in Adam. Hello? So if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Let me put it in simpler terms. If you've just been coming to church, that ain't enough. All I, I'm coming to church. No. My question is, are you saved? Are you in Christ? I'm going to tell you what people did in the scriptures who got in Christ. They believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed on him. In other words, they surrendered. They said, Lord, okay. It's not going to be by my power, by my might, by my goodness. I'm going to trust that Jesus is good enough to God in the eyesight of God for me to be with and in so that I can dodge the wrath and receive the blessing. In other words, you say, uh, no, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to pay the bill. I'm, I'm letting Jesus pay the tab. You don't go back and forth. No, I'll pay it. No, no, no. You're letting Jesus do it. You believe on the Lord Jesus that his blood is enough to cleanse you. You repent of your sins. That's the hard part. Let me tell you what that doesn't mean. In the past, I heard, you know, if you're doing this, stop it. If you're doing this, stop it. If it was as easy as stopping it, all of us would be repentant. Hello? Is there an honest soul that here that knows it's not as easy as stopping it? Amen. That's like, you, that's like somebody that's been smoking weed since three years old. I'm trying to make it plain, man. I don't think they want it plain. I think they want it decorated and dressed in a tutu with ballerina shoes. I'm going to tell the truth like it is. And telling them they're 40 now, 45, 50 now, just stop it. No? Somebody feels pompous because that's not my thing. You're telling somebody who's been gossiping all their life, just stop it. Thank you, brother. 
it's not as easy as stopping it. So this is what repentance means. means. Primarily, it means to change your mind. It means to turn around. It means that you still fail, but you fail toward God. Amen. And you don't fail away from God. Nobody ever broke their neck, falling, going up the stairs. It's the downstairs fall that kill you. You might get injured. And I know some of you have been watching out of concern, me be on the edge of this stage. <laughs> but the Lord is my helper. <laughs> so this is, I, I want to talk to you. You've been coming to church. You, 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 you're part of a culture. But being part of church culture doesn't make you part of Christ. I'm not calling you to part of church culture where you come to this place and, you know, you listen to the praise leaders, you record them sing and this, that, the other, and you do all of that. That's, that's the culture. That's the church culture. Being, a, being in Christ means that you turn and with your lips and your life you confess that he's the son of God and you're baptized into Christ. Now let me tell you, it's real simple. Baptism, don't make it more complicated than it is. It really isn't complicated. The gospel is simple. Jesus died, he was buried, he got up. Baptism is the reenactment of the very gospel of Christ. Your repentance is a cutting off from your sins. You're buried in water. You rise to walk in newness of life. There's no power in the water. The power is in obedience, and obedience accesses the blood. And that's what you need to be covered by. Then God gives you his spirit. You don't just go. He gives you his spirit. He starts, watch this. As you pursue God, he starts changing your appetite. There'll be people you don't, even, you don't even have much in common with eventually. You'll lose friends. But remember, when God takes, <laughs> he just won't take, he'll give. And he'll give with interest. And that's the new life. And your life will be one big journey. You'll mess up. You know what? I mess up. I have to repent every day. I have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. And somebody looking, well, can you tell me what you have to repent of? That's none of your business. None of your business now. Stop being nosy. You repent of nosiness. But I repent of sin. Every day is a fight. We are so prone to sin that we sin in our dreams. No? You never had a dream and woke up and thank God it wasn't true because what you did in your dream you'd have got arrested for <laughs> or you'd have got in trouble for that's one of them dreams where you wake up and you're just glad it's a dream this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it but I'm appealing to those who are not in Christ